Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Matty A. What's going on, Millionaire Mindcast fam? I got a great episode for you guys today. This is somebody that I've been really trying to track down to get on the show for many years now as I've been a fan, I've been a follower, and I've really been mentored by this guy virtually uh, without him probably even knowing it. So it was really fun to have the interview that we had today, and man, he did not disappoint. Dropped some amazing nuggets, and you guys are going to be nothing short of inspired when it comes to hearing his story, his philosophy, and how he goes about doing things. And He's an introvert. For many of you that think you have to be an extrovert to go out there and build a massive business, a massive brand, Dan is somebody that has done it very unconventionally, done it as a contrarian, being the youngest entrepreneur to take a company public, then building a media empire that many of the world's top influencers, brands, businesses pay to go and take their business, their brand to the next level. He's just one of the smartest guys when it comes to building business that I've really ever been around. So you guys are going to love today's episode, but if you're new to the Millionaire Mindcast, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, of course, Mondays are always a millionaire, not just somebody that is financially well off, but somebody that lives a millionaire lifestyle in all areas of their life that goes far beyond what dollars can buy you. And he shares some amazing nuggets in today's interview. Wednesday is all about the money, the cheddar. And my co-host, Mr. Brian Breedwell, and I talk about all things stock market, real estate, and the wealth building vehicles that can help you unlock financial freedom on your journey, as well as Fridays to keep that mind sharp, to keep expanding so that way you can continue thinking like a millionaire, acting like a millionaire, and becoming that millionaire. So with that being said, if you get any kind of value from today's episode, all I ask is one of two things. Share it with a friend, a family member, anybody that you think could get some value from this show, or leave a review on iTunes to let others know so they can find this content as well. With that being said, Dan Fleischman dropped some unbelievable nuggets talking about his journey of how he had to really bootstrap his company to then scale it, to take it public, to then taking it public and everything in between and kind of the good, the bad and the ugly and really how that set him up as an entrepreneur after getting his butt kicked and having some big wins to go out and build the businesses and the platform and learn how to invest in other companies the right way. And so if you're somebody who's a new entrepreneur or you're on that kind of ground four level, this is going to be priceless for you. And if you're somebody that ultimately is kind of, I don't want to say plateaued, but you haven't really unlocked that next level of wealth and success in your own business, there are some truly practical, tangible strategies and principles that I know you guys are going to love so much. So be sure if you get any kind of value from this episode to tag Dan on social media. Be sure to say what up to me by texting me at 844-447-1555. Let me know one thing that you loved about this show. Or if you got a question, a guest, this is how you can get a hold of me and we can start the conversation. 844-447-1555. With that being said, I don't want to waste any more time. There's so much gold in this episode. Be sure to have your notepad handy, your pen handy, and be ready to take a lot of notes because I have pages of them and I was actually doing the interview. So with that being said, 
said, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Let's continue this March to a million and beyond right after this quick message from today's show sponsor. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Well, I'm excited to welcome into my guest today, Mr. Dan Fleischman. What's going on, brother? How are you? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm, uh, you know, we're, we're all trying to survive and thrive during these times. And it's very interesting to see the people that are barely surviving or really are imploding, right? And people that are really using this opportunity to 2.0 themselves, 3.0 themselves, lean in on, you know, their skills, their relationships, their finances. It's kind of an interesting recalibration period for a lot of time yeah. in businesses and personal lives. And um, you're somebody that I know has been able to level up, you know, in your life, in your business, in your relationships, your network. And I know a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and active business owners who listen to the Millionaire Mindcast are always looking for, you know, little shortcuts, I would say, right? Through mentorship and through kind of these kind of conversations. Um, where did it all start for you as an entrepreneur, just so people can have a little context, you know, to, they've heard your bio, they know all the amazing accolades you've accomplished and probably have seen a lot of those on social media, but where did, where did your journey, where did that flame, you know, or that spark kind of get ignited and turned into a flame as an entrepreneur? Sure. So when we first got to America, it's a little bit of a Gary Vee-ish type story. Like we migrated here and uh, my parents didn't have any money. So we were selling on the swap meet every weekend, Levi's jeans. And I made a little table of baseball cards and comic books. And that's all I did every Saturday and Sunday, four years old, five years old, six years old, seven years old, eight years old, never missed a weekend for, you know? And so that was my first little entrepreneurial bug. And then high school, I was just buying candy. My mom was my backer. We'd buy candy from Costco and then I'd flip it at school and uh, have the teacher selling candy for me. So I just got that bug. And then the turning point happened when my business partner, well, he wasn't my partner at the time, just my, my best friend. He kept saying this catchphrase, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? And everybody would always laugh about it. Whether they took it for sex or sports or comedy, it was different, different to different people. And so I just took a bunch of white t-shirts and just put the name on it. And my brother told me to go trademark it because he's much older than me. I had no idea what trademarking was. I was 17 and a half years, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, but I blew through these 150 shirts. And all of a sudden I was like, whoa, I got $1,500. I'm a millionaire. 
right? Like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm good. And so I realized that people cared. That's when the first, I always say people vote with their wallets. Yep. That was the first time I realized that people cared. Like they actually wanted this thing. They liked the name. And so I decided to trademark it for over 300 products the next few months. And I just kept selling these shirts everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Shirts, hoodies, hats, whatever I could print, I would sell it. And so we then went to a clothing convention called Magic and got our booth. And we thought we were going to be big shots. We'll get a 20-foot booth instead of 10 feet. And we get there, and right next to us is FUBU. They just came out, and they have a whole walkway. On the right of me is Sean John. Diddy had just spent like $1.4 million on a booth. So I thought I was cool, and then I had you know, my little 20 feet. <laughs> Anyways, we write over a million dollars in paper, over a million dollars in orders at this show of people just wanting these T-shirts, hoodies, and hats. That's all we had. And so, again, realized people cared. My brother and my partner's dad were just like, you guys really got to sit down and like plan this thing out. This is... You don't even have real manufacturers. How are you going to make a million dollars in orders, right? You got to come up with 500K to manufacture it. Yep. And lead times and wait, where are you going to get the money? You know, like, so that's when we really buckled down and like put together like an advisory board and what we're going to do and why and how. I went and found this guy. He owned all the big brands like Hang 10, Ocean Pacific, Body Glove, LA Gear, all those old school 80s legendary brands. He owned the rights to them in the U.S., and his son was my age and still my dear friend. I talked to him an hour ago, like 20 years later. And so he helped us kind of shape us and guide us. He took a piece of the company and he became our manufacturer, our mentor, our sales, our distribution. Our... And within like eight months, we were in all these chain stores and he got us a $9.5 million licensing deal with Starter Apparel when I was barely 19 years old. And so that was a big turning point where we now had the stability of this Starter Apparel deal. Yeah to help us through the roller coasters because my story sounds cool on paper, but there's a lot of roller coasters along the way, right? Yep. I would have people make clothes for us, like samples, charge us $36,000 for 10 samples when it should have been three grand, right? And that would happen on different parts of the journey where people would just be like, oh, these kids are 20, 21, 22 years old. And they're like, yeah, let's charge them 200,000 for this or 80,000 for a booth that should have been 20. Right. And so it was a lot of learning from there, but that's where it all kind of started is just that, progression before all the the accolades and those things that you guys see there was a lot of craziness and r real quick i'm just curious for myself how did how did you get to a place where you decided we're gonna go public with this thing yeah so we hit a turning point where we were doing seven almost eight figures in revenue in the clothing space right collectively done over eight figures in the clothing space crazy and i don't want to say we hit a peak because obviously there's way more stores but for our type of brand with that type of name, there's only X amount of stores you can go to. We're not going to go to Saks Fifth Avenue, right? Right. Um, we were selling in Nordstrom just one like felt shirt. Um, but outside of that, it's mostly, you know, Miller's Outpost, Anchor Blue, Mr. Rag, Streetwear Store Chains, Surfer Chains, uh, Macy's, et cetera. And so these investment bankers came to us and they're like, look, we work with big guys, CEO of Jordash, the head guys from Donna Karen. Fubu, Sean John, we let's put this whole thing together. Like we know all these great guys, and you've got a name that people love, and you've got this good revenue. Why don't you guys expand other products? So we came up with the energy drink because there was 900 drinks on the market, but all of them had that thick cough syrup taste to them because of one main ingredient, and that one main ingredient nobody could take out because that's the main thing that provided the energy. And so I was like, Wait, what if I could make it taste better and still have the energy? And what else is wrong with them? 
Well, they're all black silver cans, all of them. Every single one was black or silver. That's it. Mostly just black. And they all had the same flavor profile, just a different brand name. I, I felt like it was a white label market. Right. And so I was like, what if I can make it zero sugar, zero carbs, zero calories, bright yellow and bright red cans that you can see right when you go to the shelf. Came up with this whole plan, found the chemist that helped create Gatorade. He made this cranberry pineapple for us. And my goal was if I could be the best tasting drink, I could win. I'm not going to be the biggest energy drink. I'm not going to be whatever. If I make the best tasting one, I can stand out and win. And so my favorite drink was Gatorade at the time. And so I wanted to find the chemist from Gatorade. So I started researching, find, you know, find this guy. And so we ended up winning flavor of the year. That's when we decided, okay, let's take this thing public. We need a bunch more capital because the biggest, hardest part of a beverage company and most product companies is the turn, the inventory. Yep. So let's use Costco for the example. Costco ordered $2 million in products for me just for 44 stores. Whoa, this sounds like an amazing problem, right? I got to come up with a million dollars. Let's call it January 1st. I need a million dollars to make my $2 million in drinks on January 1st. I'm not going to ship it to them until February 1st to February 15th. They're not going to take delivery, like actually put it on the, on the floor, until February 15th to March 1st. They then pay you either net 30, net 60, or net 90, depending on how evil they are. So let's call it net 30 to be nice. You're still talking about April or May of getting paid on your January 1st order. Here's the other problem. What if your product actually sells well like ours did? So they got their product on April 1. On April 12th, they sold through. 12 days, 11 days later. See what the problem is? They place a reorder that's larger than the 2 million. The next order was 5 million. I haven't been paid on the first order. So now I have to go beg, borrow, and steal, ask all my investment bankers and loans and like, guys, we're doing great. By the way, I need $2.5 million more. Got a capital issue here, guys. Here's the next problem. I'm now making that, knowing I'm not going to get paid for three or four months. And again, they're not doing anything wrong. That's just how the flow system works. Yep. We sold through again. So by end of April, we had sold through and we were like, okay, I don't, what are we supposed to do? I can't come up with another seven figures. I've already asked every favor possible. Yep. It's good for the people giving me the money because it's guaranteed money, right? Costco is going to pay them for sure. So in the midst of all that is when we decided we have to go public. We have to have real capital behind us. You need to have a ton of money for this whole thing. And so that's why we did it. Otherwise, I wouldn't recommend it. It's a lot of work. It's, you know, $2 million of legal fees and two years of your life with attorneys and lawyers and accountants and auditors. And so you're, you're auditing yourself all the time. Like you're spending six figures a quarter just to audit yourself on things you know you did. Like, hey, why did you buy that toilet paper? Hey, why did you buy that phone case? You could have bought the cheaper phone case. And so like you're explaining yourself to yourself to then prepare for the real auditors to prepare for the open market. Right. So it's worth it financially, but it's a huge headache. Well, and I'm curious because, you know, I look at a lot of your, your skill sets and I'm curious as to what you would maybe pinpoint as going like that one skill, you know, in, in kind of principle discipline in my, in my business personally, me showing up, that was critical to this. Cause I can imagine even though it was a lot of work, right. That also forged you into the savvy businessman and who learned kind of what they were made of that now is an investor in 36 companies and a hundred million mastermind. And you got, you know, your charities and all kinds of amazing brands, right? For what people know you for today. 
what would you say that skill was that others might be able to sharpen the ax on a little bit more, whether they're going big, whether they're going small, that you feel is kind of a core DNA principle of Dan Fleischman? My main, main, main thing is relentless. Mm. And the main thing you can sharpen your skill of is researching the industry you want to go into. Yeah. I am an obsessive stalker of my competitors. Like I want to know everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, who did what, why they do it, how much did they raise, how much did they lose. I want to know why they got, why did that person get fired? Why did they get hired? I want to understand it, not to hurt them. They're, every market is humongous. When I did my energy drink, there was 900 competitors. I did an online poker site. There was 550 sites at the same time. I don't go reinvent the wheel, right? So I'm not going in there trying to like, a lot of people say you got to crush your competitors. I don't care about them. I just got to be the best of my thing. And so I research obsessively and that's something that people can really like start doing a lot more of because you can find out everything now. Back in my days, we didn't have all these fancy social medias and Yelps and Amazon reviews and Google searches and testimonial. You didn't have that stuff. Like I was like really searching the prehistoric version of Google to find out what my competitors were doing. Now on social media, like I can find out about companies and, 10, 20 minutes, everything, right? And so, but the relentless part of it is really what is my, what makes me stand out is that I don't, because I don't mind losing, I don't mind messing up, I don't mind being silly in front of people. It's, I just know if I do everything I can morning, noon, and night, I'll never regret it. Ever. Yep. Failure is going to happen, especially with me. I do a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> like if I try all these different things, it's not, it can't all work, right? Yep. Luckily, that luckily most things are working because I have teams around me. It's not on me. I can't take credit for it. I've built a lot of teams. So when I say, hey, I want to start cleanmask.com and I want to do it in two weeks and I'm going to build 10 different products and donate 225,000 items, that sounds like what the hell are you talking about? That's because I have this, this manufacturer, this distribution place, this person, this head of production, that guy from the first story actually as my head of production, uh, Christian Wicks from 20 years ago. Like I have people to do that thing, but I would say that relentless is definitely my key word of like what makes me stand out. And I don't know if you can practice it right. as much as you can just become aware of why. And the awareness is you will mess up. You will have failures. Things will go wrong. You will get sued. You will lose friends. All these things are without a shadow of a doubt. If you do business, those things will happen. Yep. And that is not a bad reflection on you. There is not a single soul, not a single Elon Musk, Zuckerberg, Gates, Bezos, anybody that doesn't have a laundry list of lawsuits, right? Laundry list of friends that went away, that turned on them. All of them. Think about every story. You watch the social network with Zuckerberg. You hear all the stories with Gates and you hear all the stories with Bezos. Like, it's a part of it. I'm not saying it's a good part of it, but it is a part of it. Even when you're super nice and super square like me, like I don't, you know what I mean? You still are going to have situations. Absolutely. I've had 13 lawsuits. I've won all 13 because, 13 for 13, because I simply just, I'm a square bear. I don't, I'm like, I don't need the money. I don't care about hurting anybody. I'd rather lose money. I'd rather pay you six figures. Or if you steal from me, I'd rather you just keep it. Like I don't, I'm a square bear when it comes to that stuff. But I still have 13 lawsuits. The scoreboard is a scoreboard. Right. Right. And so, I just don't think people realize that if you go into knowing that things can go wrong, 
knowing that things are going to mess up, knowing you might get lawsuits, knowing that it's going to be hard, then your fear base can go away. Because the fear is, what if I do this and then my friends on Facebook laugh at me? Who cares? No, literally, who cares? They're not going to be at your funeral. Those are not your, like, besides your core inner circle of family. And by the way, who cares, honestly, about that too? Because most of your family, they're not business people either. So I just, I learned this early that I don't care if my beard gets crazy. I don't care if I'm on a speech and I fall over or my drink spills or a bird poops on my shoulder. I just don't care. What does it matter? Like, if you really think about it, what does it matter? We're going to be gone in 50 years or 80 years. Yeah. When you look at the timeline of Earth, right, four and a half billion years or whatever it may be, and you look at our good 70 or 90 or maybe if you're lucky, right, by the time you die, 120 years, depending right. on what technology's out there, we're a little speck of dust in the universe and wind. So why not, right? Turn the volume up on you. And one of the things I admire about you, man, is that you are, that's one of the things I love and connect with your brand and your message and your mission is your authenticity is, hey, I know what I stand for. I know what my core values are. I know that how to stay in alignment with those things. And ultimately, right, that kind of attracts those aligned individuals into your mission, onto your team, in your opportunities. And I'm curious for you, you know, when a lot of people you hear, right, entrepreneurs struggle with, and I know I did when I was first starting my first investment business, then the construction company, then some of the different businesses that started branching off of kind of my core tree trunk. There was a lot of majestic failures in there, right? And you don't know what you don't know, but at the same time, you hear two narratives, pick your one thing, grind on that one thing. Then you also hear that, you know, you can't, uh, you can't push a couple wheelbarrows up a hill. At the same time, you know, I always looked at as I started my businesses, kind of like an acrobat, get one plate spinning, get the right team in place, get the right, right infrastructure in place, and then scale as well as, okay, now I can move to the second plate and then go back and start maintaining those plates. How did you find it was, hey, I earned the right to now start going out and investing in more opportunities, starting more brands, 36 investments in companies now. When does somebody go, okay, I've earned the right to take my eye off of my one thing? Sure. So for the first 10 years, from 17 to 27 years old, I did one thing, just that clothing and energy drink company. From 27 to, for the next two, three years, I just did Victory Poker. I just did my online poker site. Once I had built two eight-figure, almost nine-figure companies, I felt like, okay, now I've got the practice under it. Right. And when I lost Victory Poker, when the online poker market was shut down in America, the government shut down online poker, that was my wake-up call of not ever being all in on one company. So I had a company doing millions of dollars a month that I owned, like, this company is worth mid eight figures. The revenue is crazy. My overhead is five employees. Like I was on to something like, you know, killing it. Crazy, right. And then all of a sudden April 15th is what's called black Friday. Boom. It's gone. Just ripped out from underneath me. Right. And they didn't even stop mine. They stopped my competitors. I didn't get in trouble. I just by default became the number one site on the planet. No, thanks. If your FBI is taking out my competitors, I don't, I'm a square bear. I'm not getting in trouble for, there's no amount of money you can get me in trouble for it. That's so, awesome. I just said, you know what, I've paid back tens of thousands of people over the next four days so I can sleep at night. However, like I said, the scoreboard is a scoreboard. The company's gone. And so I realized I don't want to ever have all my eggs in one basket again. That's when I became an angel investor. That's when I realized, you know what, I'm going to start getting pieces of all these different companies. So if one or two or three things bad happen, 
I'm not in this situation like I was, just losing a company worth $65 million overnight. Crazy, man. And I love that answer. And I think a lot of people also now who have followed you and seen your journey and seen you evolve and adapt, right? Especially in times like right now, if you don't adapt, you're going to die. And with a lot of things going online, you've built so many great brands and companies online that, you know, add a lot of value to a lot of people and a lot of spaces and industries. And I know some people are going to want to understand kind of your methodology, the science behind that. I'm curious, you know, for you as an investor real quick, um, being that you're invested in so many different things, you've obviously kind of cracked your own code of creating wealth and passive income and unlocking different levels of freedom and lifestyle and impact. Um, for you, what are some of the things that you look for in your investment opportunities, in businesses, in maybe startups, right, that people can think about as they start pouring their foundation or creating infrastructure in their company to attract bigger opportunities to scale and get to some of those different levels? Sure. The first thing is before you talk to an investor is what I call setting up shop. Like most people, and when I say most, I mean like 99.9%, they don't have a business plan, they don't have a corporation. They don't have a bank account. They don't have a website. They don't have their social media accounts. They don't have any of the basics. None of it. Everything I just said is free besides the corporation, which is a couple hundred bucks. Everything else is free. So if you're not willing to make a website and you're not willing to go secure your social media handles or open up your own bank account, what if I said yes? Right? What, like what if Matthew says, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast mics company. And I'm going to sell these fancy podcast mics. But he doesn't own podcastmics.com. He doesn't have at podcast mics. This is $10 and this is free, right? To have all the social platforms free. He doesn't have a podcast mics business plan. He didn't do any research on what are the other podcast mics on the market? Why is this better? Why does anybody care? What's his price point? Like people just don't do all the basics. And then they come pitch me like asking me for hundred K or 500 K or a million bucks or a bazillion dollars. What if I said, yes, you literally don't have a corporation. You don't have a bank account. You don't even have the investment paperwork. I can't, I literally can't wire you the money because you don't have a bank account or the paperwork. And so you will stand out just by doing the basics. I hate to say it. Literally just doing the basics makes you stand out over 99% of people. Now, once you've done that, once you've set up shop and you actually have something, the next thing is getting any kind of traction. So if you, let's say Matthew's got podcastmics.com and he's actually sold 400 bucks a day, not 4,000, not 400,000. If he sold 400 bucks a day, for 35 days in a row, I would cut him a check on, on site because people cared. Let's say his mics are 40 bucks and he's selling, selling 10 a day every day like clockwork. I'm in because I know with my money I can scale it and I can pour gasoline on his little fire and go from 400 bucks a day to 4,000 or 40,000. If you can show people any type of traction, you now stand way, leaps and bounds way higher than the people that set up shop. Because you actually went and got a merchant account. You set up on Stripe or Square or whatever. You made a Shopify. You were spending 50 bucks a day on ads, doing 400 bucks a day in sales, netting 125 bucks. I'm in. That's it. You see how simple that was? Yep. It's crazy how many people overcomplicate it, right? They, people think I'm going to start podcast mics as a business and I'm going to be an $84 million company on year two and here's how and why. Just give me five million bucks. No, go sell 400 bucks a day. Yeah. Show any kind of attraction like that. I promise you every conversation you have will be different with investors, partners, employees, sponsors. You could send out 
care packages to all the podcasters, like just doing the stuff, doing as much as you can for free or cheap will change the entire conversation going from being one of 400 pitches I get a week to me actually wanting to respond, read, email, and call you. So I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not cutting a check up right out the gate, but I'm now I'm watching. Now I care because I'm seeing Matthew selling 400 bucks a day for the last 42 days. Okay. This is fascinating, right? Where every other Matthew just sent me a business plan or just sent me an idea and said they want half a million bucks about selling podcast mics because podcast is the biggest blah, blah, blah. Yep. It's just the taking the actions will help huge. 100%. What have been some of your favorite investments that you've done? Yeah. So there was one company that got a standing ovation at Elevator Nights. So Elevator Nights has been six years of these free events, 300 to 1,000 people at all these events. And we've never had a standing ovation where we get 12 companies to pitch. We've had people get clapping and like obviously good job. Around half the companies have been funded at those events. But this one time, it was like, holy smokes. So here's what the idea was. Instead of you saying, I want to go to Hawaii, I've got around two grand to go. You say, I've got two grand, where can I go in the world? And you're like, wait a minute, I didn't know I could go to Peru and Uzbekistan and Thailand and Bali and whatever, right? Like you didn't know because you, you never even knew what you could go to Alaska or you could go to whatever. And so it was like reverse travel. It was like reversing the concept. So I became one of the first investors on this, literally on the spot. Like I wired the money the next day. Uh, two of my friends that night wired another 1.1 million on top of mine to just like fund this company. Since then we've raised like, I think 18 million. Um, but here's what's fascinating. That company doesn't do what it did at that night at all. It's not customer facing whatsoever. Now, some company called Walmart invested and changed the entire trajectory of the company where we now do it for businesses. So I'll give you the example. Walmart books around 2 million flights and hotels per year for their staff. What if our company could save them 20, 30, 40 bucks a trip times 2 million? It's a lot of money, right? So what happened was people would go to, they go from Bentonville, Arkansas to a convention in Chicago, but they fly there and on their flight, they actually decide they're going to stay at a hotel that's eight minutes away instead of uh, there's actually a hotel two minutes away. Well, what does six minutes matter, right? Who cares? The Uber ride for eight minutes that you have to do four different times or eight different times is an extra six bucks. Wait a minute. I can save $32 just by saving that little six minute difference. And that hotel is 120 bucks. This hotel is 104 bucks. Yeah, who cares about 16 bucks? We'll take 16 times 2 million. It's $32 million a year. Net, clean, extra profit. Not, there's, no, there's no cost to that. And so we showed them a way to save them tens of millions of dollars a year. So they became one of the early investors and we actually don't even do what we originally started off in. That one's done all right then. It sound, and that's cool because it sounds like, you know, I'm actually in my hotel here up in Lake Tahoe right now. I'm checking in on it today saying, you know, getting out of the house a little bit, trying to get in nature. Um, it sounds like a GPO for hospitality and travel, right? And, and, and I love how it solves that problem. So that's amazing. And I'm curious on your thoughts on the differences in your portfolio, just getting to see behind kind of your strategy, right? 
what do you, what is kind of your makeup and allocation between businesses and real estate and stocks? What do you think as somebody aspires and starts creating more wealth, financial freedom is kind of a healthy balance in the portfolio? Yeah. So I call it 40, 40, 20. So I do 40% safe. That's where it's just like, Hey, I want to make five to 10%. That'd be amazing. The base hits. Yep. I just, yep. That's my safe money, right? 40% I do more low to medium risk. Okay. It's not really going to fail. It's like buying stocks, but the stocks I'm buying are, it's called, everybody knows Fang, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. I'm buying those, but then I add on three others. Shopify, which has been unreal. Shopify, Square. And then this year I was very public about buying Zoom right before Corona, right during Corona. Pretty good investment, I'd say, right? <laughs> yeah. It was at 103 and I actually sold my entire portfolio, which I'd never done in four years. I sold everything and bought Zoom at 103. And then at 158, I took out a bunch more and put it back into the normal stuff because I was like, Zoom's going to be humongous. This is crazy. Like it went from 10 million users to 300 million, now 400 million users. It's insanity. Crazy. Yep. Um, so when they hit 10 million, went to like 200 million ish, I was like, okay, I'm going to take my, my profits and go back into my normal stocks. Not that zoom won't keep going, but, um, so that low to medium risk is the stock market. I say there is some risk obviously, cause something could happen. It's not really going to happen to your Facebooks and Apples and Netflix, Google. These are trillion dollar companies. Like these are not, you know, even if, and they're, they're scaling during Corona, right? They're not going down. So, um, and then on the high risk side, that 20%, angel investing is actually a small percentage because angel investing, you're not actually going to get your money back for seven to 10 years on average. Those are your flyers. Right? They, That's they my shot glory. Yep. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first. 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. And I have some of those, like Dollar Beard Club. You know, I was the first investor. Now we're, you know, we've done like 28 million revenue, 73,000 members, but I've never made a penny along the way. Uh, Trendy Butler, trendybutler.com. It's 65 bucks a month for men's clothing. You get 150 bucks worth of clothing. 
I was the very first investor. I put the first 150 grand in. Uh, I had a couple of friends put in 1.2 million more a week afterwards. We've raised another five, six million bucks since then. Same thing, over 20 million revenue. And I haven't made any money along the way. My valuation is, you know, compared to what, when I put my 150 in back then to now, it's night and day, right? It's humongous return. It's not actually return. I don't have it. It's on paper, right? My mom, my mom always says, it's all on this side until it's on this side. Yup. <laughs> I like that. That's <laughs> Your mom knows what's up, dude. Exactly. So I've had some really good, really, really good successes in that space. However, until you, I've only exited one, right? Well, I've actually, it went public and I actually just, you know what? I'm going to take my safe bet. And that was because the, the CEO uh, changed his principles. Mm. And so that's why I would have stayed with the company. I just you know, hold your chips off the table. Yeah, Cause I've been on founders and CEOs. Yep. And, um, when he went public, he got to his head. Mm. Um, and then I like my really, really interesting one is where it's safe with a shot of glory. So mm. in December, I invested into Everbowl. And mm. I saw that. I put a good amount in there. I had a couple of friends put in 500K each also. And we like really went for it um, because, you know, the founder, Jeff Fenster, I'm obsessed with. This kid is like relentless. Like Corona hit. He's got 28 locations. He figures out how to make Everbowl into what's called Later Bowl. And now Later Bowls, we ship nationwide with dry ice, and you can put these acai bowls in your freezer. That's amazing. Like, he didn't sit on the floor and cry about it while his stores were closed for two months. He was like, hey, what can we do during this time? I've got 90,000 units of acai bowls in my freezer. Let's, let's ship them out. So, Is Everbowl from Santa Barbara? That's in San Diego. In San Diego, okay. Because I went to, he does have stores in Santa Barbara, correct? Yeah, he's got them all over the West Coast. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I went down to UC Santa Barbara, and that was one of my go-tos in college was a good, good morning acai bowl. Yeah. Uh, those type of companies I like a lot because they're both. There's a safe part of it where it's just a consistent business um, that's growing, you know, a couple locations a month. But the shot of glory is that get, gets to 100, 200, 300 locations, it can be a really big exit. I only invest in companies that I can help. Mm. So with him, I brought in other investors. I brought a friend in to commit to $2 million worth of locations. So a 20 location minimum order. Like I'm helping them almost double size of the business just because my circle gets involved. Love it. So I'm really, that's why I'm so picky about what I invest in because I, one, I don't want my friends to invest in something and lose because I feel responsible. When they win, it's, a win when they lose, it's on me, right? And so right. Um, I try to be very picky about what I invest in. Um, and I also, if you're like starting a heart surgery company, I can't help you. Like, I'd, thank you for doing that. I'm glad you're helping do heart surgeries. Can't help you. But if you make sweaters with hearts on them, I can help you sell millions of those. Right? And so <laughs> I try to be very uh, realistic about what I can do. And that's the type of the companies I help. Let's talk. I'm sorry to, to fully answer the question. Uh, 40, 40, 20 essentially is 40% safe, 40% low to medium, 20%. And most people should only be doing five to 10% as the high risk. I do a calculated high risk. That's why I do 20%. Yeah. And so by doing that, you, this safe stuff in the middle can usually cover this 20% or 10% right. usually cover that. And so if it hits, if it doesn't, or it takes seven years, this stuff is still covering that. Yeah, my uh, one of my my early mentors, who's 
got a couple hundred million in his portfolio, uh, always said, you know, obviously it's that risk reward that you got to, hey, that's called the big boy money in investments. <laughs> don't, don't invest it unless you're, you're okay with it going away, right? And, yeah. and it's that if it's not a, the sleep well at night money and you're okay with it, right, getting to 10x or zero, though, that's when you know you've kind of earned the right to invest in those kind of opportunities. Now, I'm curious because you're, according to yourself, right, a, an introvert, and yet you've got this world-class Hall of Fame network. And often a lot of your opportunities, your amazing relationships have come from being in proximity to those people. How did you create your own network physically being an introvert as well as leveraging masterfully the way you've done it on digital um, to, you know, create what is, in my opinion, uh, comprised of some of the smartest, most successful, most humble, generous, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners out there? So, I realized very early that I'm very quiet. So outside, front-facing, you guys see me as putting on a show and I'm up on stages, right? But by nature, I'm quiet because I'm in my head. I think so much. I'm a, I'm a nerd. So I'm, in, I'm, I'm inside here. So what I did was, if I would go to a bar or restaurant, it's a 0% chance I would walk up to Matthew. Even if I looked up to Matthew and I've been listening to this podcast forever and he was super cool, literally zero. I'm, there's no version of me walking up to Matthew to tell you you know, or the rock is there. I would never walk up to the rock, right? However, I realized I could change that that completely by being the one to throw events. Matthew comes to me, and the rock comes to me. And so, by throwing the events, elevator nights, charity events, poker events, all those type of things, people wanted to come to my parties, events, poker tournaments, and charity stuff. And in that process, they're posting about me, they're talking about me, they're referring me. And the people I want to meet, they want to introduce them to me because I'm the one throwing it. And so subconsciously and consciously, I was doing this all the time for all these years. It really hit me maybe five, six years ago during Elevator Nights of what, why I was doing it. Was that when I go places, even now, by the way, if I go to a celebrity event, I don't, I don't walk up and talk to anybody. I just don't. Not that I couldn't. I just don't. That's just not me. That's that. And it's not that I shouldn't. I probably should, right? I've been in rooms where it's like people that I, there's Kylie Jenner and there's, I've spent millions and millions of dollars with her. I've, I've got her, I wire her money all the time. Never talked to her once in my life in person. And I've been in the room with her 10 times. I don't need to. I wanted to pay her, right? I want to be in business with her. I don't need to hang out with her. I don't need her to call me. So on the flip side, when I throw an event and someone like a Kylie's there, what do they do? They're either introduced to me, naturally gravitate toward me, thank me, or partner with me, post about me. See the difference? Right. So I try to make it on a home court advantage. So if I'm at an event and I don't go up to them, right? Like I don't walk up to Chris Jenner at an event. When I throw my events, Chris Jenner comes to me. She's amazing. And she'll speak at my events. And so the, at those scenarios, we talk a lot. And so I try to make it where I'm putting myself in the environment of if I can be the host, I can fix the, my, my, I don't know if you want to call it a flaw, whatever that is, I can fix the situation in my life by being the one to host it. If I go to your birthday party, I won't talk to you that much. If I throw a birthday party, I'll talk to you the whole time because you're going to come up to me. I love it. So note to self, 
don't invite you to the birthday party. We got to come to your birthday party, right? I'll be there. I'll come support you. <laughs> so, you know, you've, you've been really good. I see how active you are. And I think you're, you're being as humble like you are in the sense of you're really good from what I've seen just from afar and being virtually mentored by you in the sense of it's one thing to make the relationship and get them in proximity. It's another thing to build trust and rapport and stay in proximity to those individuals. What's your, what's your formula and your method to your madness to strengthening those relationships and really kind of being the farmer who not only plants the seed, but nurtures it. And all of a sudden, right, you're playing more of the crock pot mentality instead of the microwave mindset. You're really going long-term with these people. Yep. How do I like that? I never heard that crock pot. Um, so I am always trying to keep in contact with them on things that are relevant to them. So if a meme pops up about Lake Tahoe and I'm like, oh, wait, Matthew was in Lake Tahoe, I would send you a meme about Lake Tahoe. That's it. I know it sounds very simple. I would send that. It would cause you to think about me and we're texting and then that's it. I might not talk to you for two months or six months or whatever. Then I'm like, hey, I'm speaking at the podcasting summit. Hey, Matthew, do you want to speak at that? And I text you about it. Whether you do or don't, whether it's a fit for you or not, hey, a podcasting company exited today for $8 million or $50 million. Hey, did you see the Joe Rogan news? I sent it to you. And so I'm staying aligned with these people, like just sending them things that are relevant to their life. I'm not sending them updates like, hey, I just exited for $8 million. I wouldn't send that to you. But hey, a podcasting thing, and, and that matters to Matthew, I would send it to you. And so I keep in touch with people through things that are relevant to them. And then in between all that, if I have a charity event, if I have something to invite them to, if I have a mastermind dinner, if I have a lunch or a barbecue or a birthday party, I invite them to it. And so I'm providing value to my billionaire friends that don't need anything. Like there's nothing I can offer them financially. They all hit me up because they want to, they like the proximity too. They want to meet either the influencers or the girls or other business people like them, or they want to be a part of the charity so they can donate because they, they don't know how to donate effectively. Like, just I provide those situations that I don't want to call them priceless because there's cost to providing them. I mean priceless in the fact that that people want that. They want the experience that you can't buy. I know it sounds cliche, if you will, but the reason you see so many zillionaires go do crazy wild stuff like Richard Branson, Bezos, all these guys are jumping out of airplanes and helicopters and renting foreign islands is that they need the experience. That's what they, to feel something. And so my way, whether it's poor, medium, rich, or ridiculously rich, I'm interacting with them based on things that are relevant to them. And then I'm providing experiences for them to remember me by. People still remember I threw the world's largest pizza festival. That was years ago. That's awesome. Years ago. But I had Tyga, Two Chains, Wiz Khalifa all performing there. That event, I invited a thousand people. It cost me six figures to throw it. I didn't sell tickets. I just threw it because I knew if I put on this big show, lots of stuff would happen, right? I still, every single week since then, from three, four years ago, people still ask me to throw it again. Or people still think about those events. Even the performers, when I talk with Tyga, he still brings up that event from three, four years ago. Two Chains still remembers the event from three, four years ago. These guys have performed at 100, 200 shows a year. That was a thousand shows ago. They still think about it. And so providing events, situations, relationships, charity, those type of things by doing those 
that's how I can break through all the noise because everybody else, they're just texting them and asking them for favors. Yeah, it's unique. And like you said, it creates an experience that creates a feeling which creates a connection. And that's why you're, dude, so great at, I call, um, oftentimes I call, you're like, I'm writing this in my book right now, likability, uh, the likability factor. Like you're just such a likable dude. And you know, the formula that I have at least been given through, <laughs> yeah, right. Dan smiling on camera, uh, gotten feedback from my mentors, being in rooms and opportunities with people. I'm like, man, I, I don't think I've earned the right to be here yet, but I'm grateful to be here. And I've, as I've gotten feedback, I go like, why have I been allowed to invest in this opportunity? Why I'm in this room with all these CEOs, you know, and getting that feedback. And it was, well, you're just a likable guy and we, we, we like what you stand for. We like what your you know, mission or brand or service is, right? And we want to see you be successful and you're likable in the sense of you're very humble, um, you're consistently adding value, and you're also confident in who you are. And in my opinion, those three things make very likable people. And you know that's something that I've seen through and through in your brand. And you've built a massive brand online. I see how active you are on it. First question on the brand. Is that really you? Always the one Nobody. commenting on everything? Yeah, and that's what I found in the best influence. Nobody has access to my phone. I love that. So that, that's in... What are some of, for people that are looking to, of course, right, we're going more digital. If you're not on board with that, you need to be, whether that's your business, your brand, both really. Um, what are some of the things that you see really good influencers leveraging the right platforms for, like you, for their business, for their brand, for opportunities, expanding their network that are working well? And what do you see some of the just common mistakes that like, don't do this, come on. Uh, the main thing is they're not being omnipresent. You have to be on every major social media platform. It doesn't make any sense not to because they're all free. And people are like, oh, I don't want to be on Twitter or I don't want to be on TikTok or I don't want to be on, why not? It, I'm not asking you to create new content for it. Just copy and paste and post the same photo or video. It takes you an extra 17 seconds. That's it. Literally, that's it. I don't care if you don't respond there, you don't want to interact there, that's fine. You can focus your interactions and comments and responses on Instagram, but you still want to be on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And so I see too often that people just don't, they think they go all in on one platform and then they get sad when Instagram's algorithm's terrible. And now they're like, what do I do now? I'm like, well, you should have been making an email list this whole time. You should have been building your YouTube this whole time. You should have been building your LinkedIn this whole time. Like, that's the biggest mistake is that people go all in on one platform and don't realize they need to be on other platforms. And fans live on lots of different platforms. Right. There's people on Twitter that don't, they don't care about Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. And so just being on all the platforms is very useful. Um, and then the big thing is you want engagement, you got to engage. Yeah. Like people are going to comment on your stuff. If you don't respond to them, then why are they going to comment in your next post? Right. Like what? That's not a conversation. That's, the, that's them shouting down the hallway. Yeah. Right. If they shut down the hallway and you're not inside the house, then why are they going to shut down the hallway tomorrow? They know you're not there. And so, I try, to keep, I try to be active as much as I can. Obviously, at scale, that gets hard if you have a big following. Right. But it's not like you have to write a novel. You know what I mean? You can spend 10, 20 minutes doing it if you, if you care about that. By the way, there's some people that don't care about it. If you don't care about it, that's fine. But most people do. And, again, the zillionaires, the big influencers, all these people complain to me and cry to me about it every single day, about their engagement. It's not them most of the time. The algorithm's terrible. But some of the time it is them because they, they post, they want all this feedback, and then they don't respond. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, comment below, comment below. Well, why? 
you're not going to talk back to me, what am I commenting for? To talk to myself, right? And so I see it often where people cry about their engagement or they're frustrated, and, but they don't put in the work. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people, I think I hear the excuse, and I'm curious, just a quick answer on this is, oh, I'm too overwhelmed. There's too, I can't be on all these different platforms. How does Dan do it? What's your answer to that? Well, I have an extra two minutes where I copy and paste the exact same photo or video. If you see my Instagram posts go up, you can look at a stopwatch, and within 10 minutes, you're going to see it on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok every time. Like, I post it, and then I go on to LinkedIn. I post it there. I come back to Instagram, respond to some comments. I go to Facebook, post it there, jump back to my Instagram. This is all within minutes. Go back to Instagram, respond to the first few comments. Go to Twitter, post it on Twitter, jump back on, respond to some comments. Go to TikTok, post it there, and then I sit. That's it. I've done my four or five platforms. If it's not relevant for LinkedIn, I don't post it there. If it's, not, if it's too long for TikTok, I don't post it there. I don't have emotion to it. Love it. Right? It's just I execute on it. I'm going to post on Instagram anyways. Right? I'm making my contact for Instagram. Why not post the other platforms and spend the extra two minutes? Because what if you, what if you get lucky? Right? What if your tweet goes viral? Or what if your TikTok goes viral? Or what if your LinkedIn goes viral? If it doesn't, what it costs you a couple minutes? But what if it does? Yeah. Yeah, all it takes, I always say, is all it takes is one conversation, one relationship, one opportunity, in this case, one post to completely change the course of your life, your finances, your business, your network. Um, and uh, it's amazing seeing, you know, just how much volume and value consistently put out. And I know that's obviously a big piece of it, right? That keeps people coming back. With that being said, you know, as we wrap up today, you've got a lot of exciting things on your plate. I'm curious, what are you most excited about right now that a lot of people you find are getting value and just as excited as you are? I mean, I'm really all in on this 100millionacademy.com. Like, it is so much work and we've spent... I'm spending freaking mid six figures a month to really build this thing out. And I built a big team. Like we are truly trying to build the Netflix for entrepreneurs. Amazing. And so, I mean, I'm like, this is happy year of work and now it's clicking, right? I'm, I go live every single day at 6 PM Monday through Friday with a different instructor. And these instructors have seven, eight, mostly nine figure businesses. It's a lot of work and a lot of time and preparation to herd the cats, right? To get, yeah yesterday I had Cindy. She sold for a billion. The day before we have Adrian Morrison. The day before, like we have big people in real estate and cannabis and emails and everything in between. And so I'm really like passionate about that because, and, and the financial part of it's irrelevant to me. I want to build a Netflix for entrepreneurs. Like anything that comes in, I'm deploying 10 times that back end. I'm like, let's go. I want to build this thing to be its own thing. You know? I love it. And where can people learn more about, obviously, you guys, we'll have, um, this will be on YouTube as, as well if you want to check out, uh, you know, our, our faces for radio, right? And as well as um, all the links, all the resources, all the info for the 100 Million Mastermind and all the other great stuff that Dan has will be at MillionaireMindcast.com. But Dan, where are the best places for them to get? Obviously, you're on every platform. Where, where would you send people to? Yeah, every platform. I would just say it's just all at Dan Fleischman. It's important for people also to keep that in mind that your bio and screen name should be the same on every single platform. Mm. Make it easy for people to find you. I love it. I love it. Dan Fleischman, thank you so much, brother, for taking the time. You've been, you know, like I said earlier, a virtual mentor, somebody that um, not only I've admired from a, a business perspective and, you know, kind of 
becoming financially abundant in that pillar, but you live like a millionaire in really all areas of your life. And I got a lot of respect for that. So keep doing what you're doing, man. And um, we'll definitely be uh, supporting and paying attention for sure. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview and got some massive value from it. And if you did, be sure to share on social media, share with a friend, a family member, anybody that can get some value from this, as well as leave a review in whatever platform you enjoy listening to this content on. If you are watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed yet, hit that subscribe button, as well as drop me a comment below. Let me know something that you enjoyed from this episode. And if you haven't headed over to go.millionairemindcast.com, yet and entered our monthly contest and giveaway of over $1,100 in prizes. Be sure to do that. It's free. And if we haven't connected yet, if you haven't hit me up, be sure to text me at 844-447-1555. Yes, I answer each and every one of those texts and I love getting to hear from all of you guys, the listeners around the entire world. Last, if you haven't checked out some of our free tools and resources and the amazing things that we make available to our entire Millionaire Mindcast family, check out therichlifeacademy.com and know that if you want to get in closer proximity, I'm going to be hosting some of our first events this year. Now more than ever, especially with what is going on, is the time to double down on your relationships, to skill up, to surround yourself with other hard-charging people because we are going to see this landscape of business and life change and you want to be surrounded by the best of the best. So if you want to check out more information on our upcoming wealth camps, you can text the word wealth camp one word to 844-447-1555 and if you want to be directly mentored by me this is a one-on-one -on -one mentorship text the word mentor to 844-447-1555 to learn more about what it entails and how you can work with me directly with that being said keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march 2 million and beyond cheers my friends